Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Let's talk about it now. The college football playoff format is official, but it's only a two-year deal. So there's a lot of ways to kind of discuss this, and I know y'all love college football, so I would love for you to fire in on the text line your opinions on the format. Is there something you would rather have different uh, when the when the playoffs up in two years, the, the current deal. Do you want something changed? Seven zero four five seven zero nine six ten to text in. It's five auto bids. The high, the five highest ranked conference champs will get in. Most years, you would expect it to be, you know, the quote unquote power four right now, and then one group of five. Doesn't have to be that way. You know, if somehow two two group of fives are higher than like the ACC or something like that, probably or Big the, Twelve. Why did it have to be the ACC? I threw Big Twelve into oh, okay, well, right, like, okay. recently. The American would probably be the fifth one, right? Tulane's had some. There'd be typically Sun Belt. Yeah, Sun Belt. But, but then we had a chance to get in there. Boise State type, has a typer on. They have, you know one of those teams out west. Yeah, or something. yeah, but at least one of them's guaranteed in. I love that. But then the other seven of the twelve are just the highest ranked at largest. Now, the way things will work out, the top four seeds are just conference champs. So if, you know, it doesn't matter what the rankings are, it's the four high, well, it does. It's the four highest ranked conference champs, which gives the ACC a great chance to have, if not every year, many years, to have your conference champ get a bye. So the first four seeds get a bye. Then five through eight seeds play at home. So the five seed would be the you know next ranked conference champ, and then you would go from there, um, and they would get home games against uh, the way you described it was the best way. It's kind of like the tur- the NCAA tournament matchups, yeah, like right? five, twelve, six, eleven, seven, ten. There you and, and eight, so nine. Yeah. yeah, those would be the games. Bone, I love this. I think this is great. I, I know some people are going to probably text in and say, "Here's what I already want to tweak in two years," and that's fine. I'm not saying it's perfect. But I really don't have many problems at all with this. I like the representation. I like the conference champs being rewarded. I do think going to 12 is a good number. Some people are already bringing up 16. Uh, can we play 12? Can we, we've tripled our playoff teams. Can we play 12 first before you try to go to 16? See how this goes. What man. do you think? I really like this a lot, man. I do. Here's what's scary to me about it is I also like it. That's it. That's my only concern. You and I like it. So when we like something in college sports, though, somewhere along the way, something will go awry where we go, okay, this, this may have to be adjusted. I can see Mac fans not liking it. I don't, The setup is is nice here. The, there's no cap on how many teams of that seven at-larges. There's no cap on how many can come from one conference. So I could see backlash if we have a situation where – you know, we go for Big Ten, and there's so many options now from the Big Ten and the SEC. They have so many teams. If we go like four SEC, three Big Ten, and one additional team where fans say, why are they getting four? That could be what makes fans I, angry. But I, to me, this is, this is, and there may be debates that we like with that. I don't know. But 
I don't. This seems like we're headed in the right direction here for the for the postseason. Yeah, I don't think you can avoid that. I don't think you can expand a playoff without having to deal with a ton of SEC and Big Twelve. Not at this point. There's too I many. Just, they have like forty teams combined here, and I point. don't think the growing is done. Right. I, I, I'm I, I'm so worried of them pillaging the ACC too while they're at it. Um, but I, like, I just don't think there's any way. To avoid that, somebody this has said, a March Madness type feel to it. We've always wanted that. It's kind of not quite that, but it feels like that's what we're going to get here. With I love the games at home sites. I like the fact that five. I like one through four getting buys, and I like the fact that conference champs get buys. If you're an SEC or a Big Ten fan, maybe you don't like the. Maybe you just want the top four ranked teams to get buys. But as someone that would like to see the ACC get a chance at buys, to see the love spread around a little bit, I like that format. The home playoff games for five through eight, I think, is really cool, too. That's one element the playoff has been lanking, lanking, lacking is the conference or the, the home atmospheres that I'm trying to spit yeah. out. So I think you introduce that as well. Um, I love that aspect of it. I think that's freaking cool. I really do. And here's how it's going to work, right? So the first round is going to be played on December 20th and 21st. They'll move on to the quarters on December 31st, New Year's Eve, which will be the Fiesta Bowl. So they're going to have one Fiesta Bowl quarter on that night. And then the next day, January 1st, it's going to be the Peach, the Rose, and the Sugar, the, the other three quarterfinals. Then the Orange Bowl will be the semis, and that's going to be January 9th. So you're still going to have... Uh, the big the bowl tie-ins there, but it's going to be in the playoff format. Yeah, I, 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 I that's that's a that's a that's a hell of a time, isn't it? Right now, all these all these important games. This texter says this will not produce a different champion. The champion still comes from the same group. Well, I got to be honest. I've thought the last couple of years things have, have. I thought we got some new blood in there. Michigan just Washington, won it all. Washington, Texas, Michigan won it all for the first time here in the playoff era. So I get it. There was an era where it was what Bama, Clemson, and then you'd have like Ohio State and Oklahoma. That and you know then Georgia started to get in there. But I feel like it's been opened up a little more here. The last couple of years, but the whole point, and I don't know what you think about this argument, Floud, is same teams are still going to win. I don't think they're necessarily doing this to get a different champion. I think they're doing this to get maybe some actual close, you know, playoff games, right? Because there for a while it didn't seem like we had any, and also just to include more teams, right? To give more teams a feeling of you're in the postseason, you're included in this, rather than just like for someone that's complaining about the same teams. Well, aren't you tired of now? This year was different, but a lot of years the same teams being in the playoffs. Like I think they're trying to change that, right? Well, th yes, they are, and they're trying to have more teams value the regular season because apparently we've heard bowl season doesn't matter anymore, right? Like these are the same people that complain that bowl season doesn't matter. Well, this th this makes more games matter. Yes, it's, more games matter great. down the stretch of the season. Yeah. Um. The other thing that I don't really understand is if the argument is that it's not going to change who the champion is, then why do why don't we just go back to the BCS way? Why don't we just pit the top two teams against each other and play it? Yeah, or stay with the top four. Like this like, is an opportunity for it to happen, and you're going to look pretty damn stupid when the number six overall team one of these years wins the title. What are you going to say then? So well, you, they would have won it anyways. Come on, get so the hell you, out of here. What do you think, Bone? Do you think a team outside the top four? will win the title in like the first five years. Like, or if they use this format for five straight years. Cer certainly possible. At least it gives it a little more 
of a question. I mean, yeah. second best team, the way it's going to be seeded. No matter though. what the format is, we're probably going to get to similar teams along the way. But at least what this does along the way is this. Think about local schools here. Charlotte in the American. App in the Sun Belt. ECU in the American. If they ever get back to a level they were once at. Think about what that does for those teams if they win their conferences, Mag. If they win the American, if they win the Sun Belt, and they're ranked high enough. App State's had some runs before where they're in the mix for that group of five games. Charlotte's going to try to get there. At least if they go win their conference and they're ranked high, they have a shot to be a part of this thing. So there's more inclusion at the back end of this thing. It may lead at the front end to similar teams, but we're also going to get more games. We're going to get more teams included at the back end. And someone says he doesn't want to see blowouts. Well, that that could be said. You're seeing blowouts in the semis already, and that could be said for March Madness too with some of these matchups. And you're seeing blowouts in these bowl games. Like, are you dying to see that? Like, that's the alternative: is that these teams just go to bowl games. So you'd rather see teams not fully like you want teams fully stocked in the postseason. You're going to have more teams that have their meaningful games, and more teams play meaningful games in the month of November too, because more teams have a chance of squeezing in rather than just the top maybe nine. Nine schools are playing meaningful games, I just games, read right? you the schedule from December 20th to the semifinals on January 9th. That's a meaningful football all the way through. Yeah. There's all- games all the time. Right now, we we watch our teams that we like and play in games that don't matter, and there's still some of those that are going to happen. But think about how many of the New Year's Six Bowl games, Mac, we watch that don't matter. Now think about how many big games for about – Three weeks or more, four weeks, we're going to get that. Yeah. Every conference Absolutely. title game is incredibly important. Because yep. you're getting a top four seed and a bye if you win conference title. Now, I still do think, going back to Flounder's point about, like, number six could win it or whatever, like, think about teams that don't win the Big Ten or the SEC, the second best team. Like, say Michigan wins the Big Ten, Ohio State could be, like, you know, one of those teams playing a home game, right, not getting a bye. I could easily see the second best SEC or Big Ten team go from like a six seed to winning it. Georgia could have you know won I mean? the title this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So Georgia, yeah. Well, Georgia, where was would Georgia a, have been seeded. They were right? a six seed technically. Last so year. I do think that's definitely possible. This texture says I like it as an as a fan of uh, North Carolina State. Maybe uh, maybe we get in this year by winning the ACC and get a top four seed, which would be awesome. Or maybe the second best team. And the ACC gets in. Okay, slow your roll. <laughs> the ACC is going to have to be better, though, than it was last year. They couldn't even get the one team in unbeaten. Like we have a WFNZ fan duel text from Florida State Phil. He says, so are we invited or not to this whole thing? Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Top 12, you would have got in there, Philly. Mm. You would have got yourself in, and you would have got a home game, baby. Uh, you would have been rocking and rolling. Flounder, I'm going to give you the honor here. Uh, you can make this your feed or whatever. I don't care what you do with it. Will you explain the Notre Dame angle here? Because I tried to bring it up in hour number one, and I just got completely blasted by Max anger towards Notre Dame. <laughs> all I wanted to mention was how Notre Dame – plays into the the seedings here. Yeah, so they can since they are not in a conference, they cannot be a top 4 seed. Now, this shouldn't shock anybody because this was the way that it was supposed to be with the 6 plus 6 format same, yeah, same as thing. well. But uh apparently there are people that are complaining about this and Mac seems to take issue with this 
One, because he hates Notre Dame, and two, because he thinks that Notre Dame will not be faced with this scenario all that much where they will need to complain. And and, and another thing, first of all, Notre Dame approved it, right? There yeah. he is, yes. is part of, he's there with the conference commissioners when they approve this. He has a say, because they're almighty and they're all powerful. There you go. Because there they're Notre there Dame and we're better than you. But anyway, there it is. the other thing, too, is if they win 10 games, they don't have to play a conference championship game, so they don't have to risk a loss. Right to a high caliber opponent like all the other teams do. That's another thing in their favor. If they get to 10 wins, who's keeping them out of a 12-team playoff? I would think just about every year they'd be in. And here's the other thing, too, I would say. because I And the only reason I got mad, I didn't mean to get mad at you, Bone, although I did yell you, at you. you I said excuse you, me. You called me Notre Dame Bone. for no. All I did was I, mention how they I, factor in here. What did I say? I you called me Golden Bone or Golden something. Golden Bone enables them yeah. is what I screamed also, out by the way, at the, the top name, of my lungs. The name Golden Bone. Let's not Google that on your work computers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure that's clean on the internet. Um, but here's another thing, too. And here's the bottom line um, uh, as I go stone cold here. Stone cold, do bottom liners at the rock? Who does bottom line? That's the bottom line. Cause that's stone, yeah. Oh, stone cold. Okay, I got that right, actually. But here's the bottom line. If you choose to not go in a conference for financial reasons, and that's what's important to you, sorry, you ain't getting a top four seed. It's that simple. You choose to be the one holdout that's too good for a conference because of the financial ramifications. And I'm sorry, let's not cry for your asses when you can't get a top four seed. We have an NC State fan, Mac, worried about the playoffs. That they won't be treated, they won't be treated right by the referees in a 12-team playoff. <laughs> is that a serious text? Yeah. Oh, or is that like a spoof because of the topic today? Well, That's Jonathan serious. says state won't get enough calls if they get into the playoffs. <laughs> Oh, this state team's going to be so good this year, Wolfpack fans. They are a legit threat to win the ACC and to get a top four national seat and a bye. Like, it's legit possibility, man. Saul, oh, I can't wait think? till they win nine games. Saul Wiss <laughs> from 24-7 on the top ten returning wideouts to college football next year, Mac. They left your guy, Concepcion, off the list. Really? Yeah, he was the first Dude, one. That dude's electric, he man. He was the first one that said that he almost got in but did not. But that little bulletin board material there for your guys. That, that's a, uh, yeah, put it on there. Put it on there, Coach Dorn. Put it on the board. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love. Hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show.
Carson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's get to some text messages on the FanDuel text line, shall we? 704-570-9610. Lots of people writing in about our college basketball conversation in the opening segment. Myron Goodman said, Fitty, that is possibly the worst college hoops take ever. Memphis, yeah, he would know. Memphis being a top 30 job, sure, but not top 20. Stop that. Then Myron Goodman. Thank you, Myron. He says, go Niners. And then Brian said, damn, Fitty, JD would never do his bro walker like that. That's right. I feel like I do want JD here instead of Fitty because Fitty's just trying to get on my nerves. I don't feel like JD would care enough to do that. I don't feel like Walker has appreciated or embraced JD the way that JD wanted to be appreciated and embraced. And it's nothing against Charlotte. I want them to make the tournament. But I realize that their path to get there is winning their conference tournament, which I do not think is going to happen. I want Memphis in the tournament because they were a fun team the first half of the year. And I don't want to see a good man like Penny Hardaway get fired. Okay. That's all it is. It's no hard feelings. Did not realize that you cared as much about Penny as you do. But here we are. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see him get fired either. We had one text right in. Please talk about Creighton. We can talk about them a little bit. Mm. The 15th team in the country. Beating UConn. UConn on the road. Not unranked, but UConn, at least Crane's not unranked is what I mean. But UConn going on the road and they lose by 20. Didn't see that coming. Crane just couldn't miss last night, but we all had the take watching, you know, as we were ending the show yesterday. Hey, are the Huskies just going to roll through everybody with ease and then find themselves winning back-to-back titles? Creighton at least put a stop to that for a little while. It doesn't mean that we have to shift and say UConn isn't a good basketball team anymore. We don't have to get too crazy with it. But I didn't see a Blue Jays 20-point win last night against the number one team in the country. No, I didn't see that coming at all. I put that on as well. I had that going while the weight game was going as well. Expecting a good game, but for UConn to uh, dominate, pull away like they do against a lot of teams. But that just wasn't the case last night, man. And Creighton came out. They were up for them. They were ready. And that's the life you live as a number one team. You're going to come into every team's gym as the target. And so that's what happened last night. And I think UConn had a little bit of an off night and playing against a very good Creighton team. And uh, they couldn't get the job done. The thing I love about college basketball is I think you forget how long of a season it is. Like Creighton's a legitimate team that can make the Final Four. Yeah. They can win a national championship. But, you know, you have a bad week and all of a sudden everyone thinks you're you're not good and you're not going to do anything special. Short story short, the Big East tournament come March is must-watch television. Like, I, I'll watch the ACC because I love it, but the Big East tournament is going to be the place to be. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what those two schools can do. Somebody also said, where is Belmont Abbey? I'm guessing they're talking about the net rankings. Up 85. They're they're in Belmont. (laughs) Just so you know. Where is Belmont Abbey? They're in Belmont. No disrespect, but I can't find them on the net rankings. I can tell you that. And I'm not going to continue to look for them. Last thing here, because I think this is an interesting convo, and maybe we can continue it in the campus corner. But Wolfpack James said on the text line, hey, we still have Duke, North Carolina on the schedule, but it's you're going to need a miracle to win out, which we all know isn't happening in order for NC State to get to the tournament. The other point is, he says, I like Keats too. I think he would land on his feet at a respected mid-major like VCU or a Georgetown. Mid-major Georgetown, that's you know how times have changed. Yeah. I think he's a good coach, but the NC State basketball coach might be the toughest job in all of sports Wow. because we want to compete with UNC and Duke, but they have like a 30-year head start on us. IDK, if we ever find the coach that can fill in the gap, but you have to keep trying. So just 
taking the spirit of that comment away. We don't have to really debate if it's the hardest job in sports. But the spirit of it is, it's pretty damn hard. Like, how hard do you think that job is to be the head basketball coach at NC State where fans want something at a, like, national respected level and they just don't get there all that frequently. How hard is that job? It wasn't hard for Everett Case, Norm Sloan, or Jim Valvano to make it a national program. Ooh, it is possible. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, that it, was, it that used was to way be. back it, in the day. It was. And look, after the Valvano firing, they definitely got left behind because they kept getting their butt kicked and they tried to become a football school, which they're not a football school. So I think if NC State would look and put its resources into being a basketball school, I do think it's possible for them to win and compete with Carolina and Duke more consistently than they have in my lifetime. The The football school comment is interesting. The thing that's interesting to me about all this is I think once Coach K came and turned Duke into what they were going to become, and we know they had their times where they were a really good program before that, but once Duke took them into the stratosphere, as far as Coach K is concerned, taking Duke into the stratosphere, I think that hurt uh, NC State a lot because now – you have to compete with two blue bloods, not just one, but now you got to deal with two. And so it's going to be hard, you know, to go out there and compete with every other program in the country that has a great reputation. But then in your own state, when you're trying to recruit, let's just break it down to the best basketball prospects in North Carolina. It's kind of niche for kids to want to come up and play for NC State. Uh, most kids, you know, they come out. From day one, the minute they pick up a basketball, they want to play for Carolina or they want to play for Duke or Wake Forest, you know? All right, I might have been, you know, going a little bit far-fetched with that. But uh, now nah, they want to play for them North, there. Yeah, they want to play for North Carolina. They want to play for Duke. So that already I think their parents you. want them to play for Wake Forest. I think that's <laughs> yeah, more accurate. So that already puts you uh, behind the eight ball there. And so that kind of limits, puts a little bit of a limit on the prospect that you can get. I mean, they've had their share of recruiting wins. But I think when it comes to getting those program-building classes where you get – you know, three, four guys in the program that are either contributors to stars and Mm -hmm. then keep building on that and get that quality depth that the Carolinas and the Dukes have, that's when it becomes hard because you're just not going to get the same caliber of player. Well, and when did they have those recruiting wins? Well, they, they, I mean, they well, had some no, guys in their time that were big recruits. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not even trying to clown that mm-hmm. point. What I'm trying to tell you is the last time that they consistently got recruiting wins, it was when Mark Gottfried was coaching. Yeah. And what was Mark Gottfried about? <laughs> Going against the rules. NIL which is now, before NIL, right? That's right. That's right. Which is which is so bad for NC State. Poor NC State, too, because you were, what, just five years, basically, behind the eight ball on that? Mark Gottfried shows up at the right time, then... Maybe you're starting to win a little bit more because he knows how to play that game. He played that game before you were allowed to play that game. And that's when they had a four-year run where they get to the NCAA tournament. And they have a couple of Sweet 16 appearances. Yeah. And it's been twice since Gottfried left. In fact, the last two years that he was there, that's what gets him fired. And then also all the off-court stuff in the first place. So that's how they won here recently. Then you had the Sendak years where you get there five straight years in a row. Gottfried comes over. Success there. And then since then, you've had two yeah. appearances. Keats has done a respectable job in the portal uh, getting guys. But again, he just can't put together that complete mm-hmm. cat, that complete cast that will really take them uh, where they want to go. The last time they did was the Jaquel Joyner crew 
uh, with them. But, you know, right they now. They get studs sometimes in the backcourt. Oh, court. the portal, the, man. Yeah. DJ Horn, to me, is the most underrated player in the league. He is nasty with it, a capital N. Yeah, you might be right. Because, yeah. because and then they've had, you know, Terquavion Smith and Tarkel Joyner was kind of that underrated guy because Smith got all of the love. And then, man, I'm trying to think of. But it they was had Trevor good role players around him. But it's like right now, this season, you look at his team, it's DJ Horn and then Marcel. He's okay. But then you got DJ Burns that's supposed to be the second star. But good Lord, man, he's 6'9", 350, 360, can't get a rebound to save his life. I saw an offensive possession where he, <laughs> in the first half where he caught it on the elbow immediately back to the basket because, you know, the face-up game, he might get his cookies taken. So back to the basket, one dribble, two dribble, hook shot from like 10 feet out, trying to bank it in on the left side. It's just, man, there's just nothing happening there. You got to be, and he's I mean, skilled. Dog, he's skilled. Four, 4.2 rebounds per game. He averages four for his career, and he's averaging four this season. That is completely unacceptable. Like, you just got to call it what it is. It's soft. For a man of his size. Well, I don't think it's soft. I think it's tired. No, I think it's soft. Four rebounds. <laughs> rebounds is, up the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> rebounds, yeah, rebounds is about effort and want to and grit, man. And for you to be that kind of size, you should want to dominate the rebounds, putting your body on guys and really being physical down in. He doesn't do that. But, no, I I don't think he mind. I did, I, one, I don't even know if he feels people bouncing off of him. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he's soft in the way that, ooh, you know, get away from me. I don't want the contact. I think he's more so... That's too far for me. <laughs> I'm not going after that rebound. And the stats have backed that up. All right, let's go to Brian Burns. That's the tease. We need to please it here with Brian Burns, where we stand uh, today yeah, he's with the Burns situation. I don't think so. No. Some some people, some people on the text. Might off the comment. You know, yeah. I, and I understand <laughs> the, the segue attempt. I think people would refute that on the text line once we tease Brian Burns. Yeah. We got people calling him Pampers on the text line. Mm-hmm. Like Charmin Soft, maybe if you're Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I don't think that. I think people were frustrated with Brian Burns admitting that, hey, in the back of my mind, injuries were there and perhaps that dictated the way I played a little bit. And so that's why people don't want to bring him back long term, especially with him putting up as low of a sack total as he did. It's the lowest he's put up since his rookie year. And this is a guy that only has one year of a double digit sack total. Brian Burns is a really interesting combo. Here's where we are today. The Panthers have until March 5th to place the franchise tag on Brian Burns after the window opened up yesterday. The Panthers haven't used it since 2021. That's when they put it on Taylor Moten, and they were eventually able to work out a deal. It was a big right tackle deal, but they were eventually able to work one out to where no drama afterwards. We already have drama with Brian Burns after the Panthers reportedly got up to as much as $27 million per year, according to Joe Person, according to sources with knowledge of contract negotiations. Panthers got up to 27 mil per year. Brian Burns was staying steady at 30. So they couldn't meet in the middle. Maybe the Panthers even feel like they did meet in the middle. Brian Burns wasn't budging. You go into this season after this weird two-day hold-in, not even missing any games, telling you he wasn't going to miss any games after he plays the season opener against Atlanta. But then, Wes, yeah, some not his fault because it's it's hard to accumulate sacks when you're down all the time and the opposing offense just wants to run and run and run and run. Like, you don't even have any opportunities to get sacks. 
So that was going against Brian Burns, and I think that's some context that needs to be applied, but still not one of his best years that we've seen here in Carolina. Even if the advanced metrics would tell you, he's still one of the best pass rushers. Where do we stand with Brian Burns on if you think he's going to come back or not based on where we are right now? Like, does this basically I'll ask you this. Does it get messy again, Wes, or do you think it's smoother sailing with the new front office compared to what we had last year? Uh it's got a chance to. I mean, you look at the pass rush win rate for him. He was 11th in all of the NFL. Uh, the double team percentage was low. But I think when you look at the Panthers now, he basically gave them all the ammunition that they needed to not give him uh, that contract that's going to put him in that $30 million club. I mean, you come out, first of all, they're going to look at the numbers. Uh, and then also, they probably will bring up that comment saying that, hey, you know, we, we, we don't like because – Everything I've heard about negotiations with contracts is the teams are going to try to bring up every little thing they can to discredit you to get the number where they want it. And so I think that they're going to look at that say, hey, man, you know, you're out there worrying about getting hurt. We're not sure about your effort at all times. We don't know if we can trust that. This time, they're going to use all that against him. That's why I don't know why he even comes out and says something like that. They're going to use that against him in these negotiations. They're going to use his numbers. They're going to say, hey, you digress this year. But at the end of the day, I think he ends up back. I think he's going to have to concede a little bit off what he wanted. Uh, and then I think the Panthers, you know, may have to come up because now they can be like, hey, we were going to offer you 27, but that was off of what you did before. Now we want to throw you 24, 23, something like that. That's when it gets real messy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But then he's going to have to figure out, all right, do I really want to sit this thing out? But then it's going to be like, I did have a down year. I did say those things in the media this, that, and the third, so so what do I want to do? But I think still, if he hits the open market, if they don't tag him, which I think they're going to tag him anyway. They're going to tag him. But if he did hit the open market, I think he could get close to it. But he just messed up. He did what a lot of these guys do. They talk a good game, and they don't follow it up. He should have set out until he got the contract that he wanted, and then he there this wouldn't be a thing. The problem is players don't win those battles. They don't. I mean, it depends. If I, they I really dig in, I think they even, can. And I'm not I'm not even trying to say, oh, it's never happened, but mm -hmm. I am trying to look for that last case where it did. Cause I don't know the example of, oh, this player sat out and they won because Emma of it. Smith. Oh man, we're going back to the nineties. I mean, no, but that's the first but, player that okay. comes to mind. So, Emma Smith. Uh, I'm trying to think of players ago. recently that 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 held out that so, didn't get that. So Le'Veon Bell is the infamous one. Okay. And Le'Veon got like more guaranteed money. It was basically the same contract. Like he would argue that he got to sit a year, but then got more guaranteed money. The problem is that the contract was very similar when he decided to sit out the entire year. We know how the chargers operated, like go ahead and sit out all you want to. I, I guess with Nick Bosa, like he sat out a game. He but, did. I mean, they were always going to pay him a lot, right? Like how much did, did you really, I'm talking about real refutes where, you had one party digging their heels in the concrete, same thing with the other, and they weren't going to budge, and then eventually the player ends up winning out. So I don't know. I I, I don't know what's going to happen with Brian Burns. I do wonder if it oh, gets— Oh, Revis. We can go to Revis. Revis definitely was digging those heels in for his money. Yeah, I don't remember the, the money on that um, as far as what he got, but maybe oh, yeah, Darrell Revis. Well, I don't know, depending on like, cause some of these guys are going to get big money anyway. Yeah. 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 And so I just don't know how much of a difference it made, but maybe it did. So that would be a good one. If that's the case, I wonder how ugly this is going to get, or if the Panthers just decide, all right, we're going to do the franchise tag thing and then we'll work it out. So it doesn't get crazy. This is what I also want to bring up because it, it does make me worried a little bit as a Panthers fan. 
anytime I see that Rams offer, when the Rams wanted Brian Burns and the news came out that they offered two first round picks and a second round pick, that is an amazing haul. It's not good. It's not great. It's, oh my God, bananas, what are you doing type of haul. And that's for Brian Burns. And like even me at the time, I got it. I got why the Panthers turned it down. It was really, it was 50 50 for me. Like, Fitty, I know, is one that was saying, hey, they should take that deal. I think you and I were both about 50 50. That's a lot to turn down. And maybe I got scared. Maybe I got scared just like Scott Fitterer did, saying, nope, we think that we can keep Brian Burns. The contract situation is going to be fine. He's going to agree to what our high water mark is. And so it'll be all good. But then he didn't. And then it got messy from there. But also, once that news came out, Wes, once Brian Burns and his party realized, that the Panthers turned down two first and a second, they thought, oh, they value me. They know that I'm a guy that they want for the future. And so now I'm going to ask for the moon and the stars and everything you got. And then once Suleiman, the capologist, who I assume is the one that was negotiating a lot of what was going on here, once they said, no, we can't do 30, that's when it started to get a little hairy. And now it's like, okay, maybe it does get even more messy leading up to this regular season. Yeah, man, it could. But I think that they're going to solve this one. I, I, I think this will not get too wild. Um, I feel like both sides are going to have an understanding coming into this. It could get a little contentious, but I think that he'll get the job done. I think the Panthers are having back, and I don't think this will get uh, as ugly as we think. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. We got college basketball tonight. Duke and Miami. College basketball last night. NC State falling in an important game. Wake Forest bludgeoning. Uh, the Pitt Panthers. Let's get to it all with Stephen Wiseman, who covers Duke and the ACC for the News and Observer. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Steve, how you been, man? Hey, Kyle. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, let, let's start with you know, let's start with tonight's game. As a matter of fact, uh, Duke and Miami. Miami's reeling. They've lost four straight. Obviously, Jim Laranyaga does not have the team or the season that they'd hoped and anticipated to have down there. This feels like a game that, I mean, nothing's automatic in college basketball anymore, but I mean, we're, we're I mean, it's disaster tomorrow if Duke loses this game, right? 
Yeah, especially um, nothing's automatic, especially on the road in conference play, right? We've seen a lot of upsets happen. But, uh, yeah, with Miami, the weather playing, Nigel Pack is not going to play tonight. Jim Laranega said yesterday, so that's one of their top guards. And um, so, yeah, this is a game. The way Duke's playing right now, 15 wins in the last 17 games, they need to take care of this because they got a tough one coming up on Saturday against Wake Forest. All right. Um, well, yeah, I like that. This is a game that you have to to get through. you got to get this dub to get to Wake Forest. Seed line, Duke, as we're getting closer to the tournament, where, where do you think? Are they a four seed, a five seed? Where does Duke end up here? So the committee had them at three with their release on Saturday, but they were the last three. They were number 12 overall. So any slippage, and they're going to be back on the four line. And they've had to, they've had to work some to get back up to the three line because I think after they lost to, um, to Carolina, a lot of the projections had them down maybe on the four or five line. So they have played well since then, but there's still some big wins to be had, including, again, Saturday against Wake, and they have Virginia coming up at home, and then Carolina at home before we – before we even get to the ACC tournament. So there are, there are opportunities for Duke to move up. Um, if other people lose, too, they can get back up to the two-line. But they're kind of tenuous right now on the three-line. Uh, had they been about what you thought they'd be so far this year? Because I've, I've heard some really interesting analysis on Duke lately. Uh, for instance, our, our buddy Paul Biancardi, he said before the season he thought they were a top-20 team, probably not much better than that. And that's kind of what they look like right now. Yeah, and they were preseason. You know, they were some people had a number one in the country, right? So, right. Um, uh, and uh, so if you go from that angle, this is disappointing, right? But um, I think a 20-5 and five record is pretty good. I think people would yeah. take that if you said at the start of the year. Um, they got a couple of good non-conference wins, Baylor and Michigan State. Um, and, heck, Charlotte was a, it turned out to be a pretty good win, didn't it? So um, that, that's a good one for them. But there, there, is some, there is some work to be done here. There's some things that are a little bit concerning. Uh, they, they don't always bring it defensively like I think John Shire would like. Uh, they're a really consistent offensive team. Kyle Filipowski has not been, you know, the ACC player of the year that he was projected to be in the preseason. So um, it, he, they need him. I mean, John Shire told me this in October. We need Kyle Filipowski every night to be there every night, and that's not been the case. So if they're going to exceed where they what they've done so far, they have to get him going and get him, you know, 15, 18 points a night instead of, you know, every once in a while coming out and scoring eight or nine points. That, or I guess you can just ask for 35 from Jared McCain, right? He's apparently uh, capable of giving him that now. If he's going to do that every <laughs> night, I'll take Duke's chances. Um, he's really come on, hasn't he? He's really, he's playing like the best freshman in the ACC and, you know, one of the better ones of the country. So, um, yeah, it's hard. To, I sat there Saturday and just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, the way, you know, every shot went in the first half there. Uh, it was really amazing. And, and he, you know, he hasn't had games like that before to that degree, but he's been consistently scoring and, and you know, hitting uh, perimeter shots. And that's something that, you know, last year Duke didn't really have was a perimeter game. And so uh, that's a big thing. And when you get into March, it's all about shot making and protecting the ball. And Duke seems to do both of those pretty well. Steve Wiseman with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline talking Duke and the ACC here. Um, as far as the overall broad per- perception of the league goes, uh, you, you know where I'm going with this. Wake Forest you know, blows out Pitt last night, this morning. They're 26 in the net ratings, and they're 21st in Ken Palm. Yet ESPN's Joe Lenardi still has them in the first four out. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, just I, talk to me. I mean, I, I sometimes I get accused of being an AC. Actually, all the time I get accused of being an ACC homer. <laughs> uh, but I am not afraid to to call this out for what it is. 
You know, it's just infuriating to watch what amounts to these, you know, furrowed brows of these bracketologists like, oh, this ACC's trend is concerning. When the real trend over the past couple of years, Stephen, appears to be that when the ACC does get to the tournament, they perform pretty well. I mean, what, what do you think of this perceived anti-ACC bias? Yeah, they they do well. And, um, you know, it all goes to what happens in the non-conference play, right? So you come in that last year, teams had bad losses. This year, we don't really have, the ACC does not really have one of their top teams that that stubbed their toe in a, in a horrible manner in the, in the preseason, uh, you know, losing a quad three game to a non-conference team. Those those didn't happen this year. So I don't know where that's coming from, to be honest with you. Like, you know, anybody in the, in the committee that would look at Wake Forest now with those metrics that you just rattled off, that's a team that's definitely in the field. They, they're, they're not going to even question that because that's what it's all about is the metrics and everything. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of disappointing, but um, uh, you know, I still think all that said, you're probably looking at five teams tops, uh, which in the last two years was a disappointment. Now it's kind of getting to be the norm, right? So the problem is that you got teams down lower that aren't doing enough to get to, to make themselves warrant conversation, like NC State, you know, which last night came off a great win over Clemson last Saturday, and then you know just kind of laid an egg in the first half and couldn't eventually overcome it with Syracuse. That knock them back off of any conversation. Steven Wiseman with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, State loses a really tough one last night to Syracuse. And, um, you know, both teams are vying for a tournament spot. Both teams are, are right there. I think now State is, what, 8-7 and seven in the ACC. Syracuse improved to 8-8 eight and eight last night. So, you know, they're jostling for position. They're all fighting for bids here. But specific to NC State, give me your view on, you know, where they are right now at this point in the season. And what do you think it looks like next year? You know, they're just so inconsistent, and um, I, I like the fight they show uh, to come back. Again, the Clemson game, they were down double digits on the road in the second half to a Clemson team that's going to the tournament this year, and they came back and beat them, and D.J. Horn carried into that win. But then they come out at home, and they're down 15 at halftime to Syracuse, and which just had just lost to Georgia Tech after beating Carolina the week before. <laughs> so, again, we're talking about inconsistency of the, these teams that are down in the middle to lower part of the conference. That's what's hurting it, but specifically the state. Um, you know, they're going to have a decision to make here in the offseason if if they're happy with the direction the program is going with Kevin Keats. He made the tournament last year. It doesn't appear he's going to make it this year. They're going to have to they have to do so a, lot, a lot of winning from now through the middle of March to get back in. Um, and so, um, you know, Boo Corrigan, the, the AD, just got a new contract, so he's he's set and his he's comfortable. And we'll see if he decides he wants to make a change or. Uh, if he wants to ride it out one more year with Kevin Keats, who has shown to be pretty good at like recycling a team, and you know they're they're competitive. They're not they're not a team that's like at the end of the Godfrey era when they were, you know, uh, losing at the bottom of the conference. That's not happening at least. Uh, Stephen Carolina's going to JPJ to John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville on Saturday. They, they'll have had a week off since beating Virginia Tech last weekend. Just had Coach Matt Darty in studio about an hour ago, and he said that really, really concerns him. Uh, you factor in that Virginia just got bludgeoned on the road at Virginia Tech by 34 points on Monday. Any concern about Carolina going to Charlottesville on Saturday? I mean, I think the the, the break is good for them. They haven't had this. Everybody, every other team in the league has had this. Well, they didn't have a midweek game, and they got some time to work on themselves. And usually teams come out of that and play pretty well. So I have a feeling that they're going to be okay. It's just a matter of what, what kind of Virginia team they face because – the Virginia team that played the last two games has been just awful on offense, and um, Carolina's been a good defensive team. 
And so I would think they'd be able to shut them down. But again, Tony Bennett's going to have going to have them ready on Saturday. And, and Charlottesville's been a tough place for Carolina to play as of late. So um, I, I do like Carolina in that game, but I don't feel really great about it. I hear you. Um, have you? I, I know you're busy covering the ACC, but you pay attention to college basketball. You know, here in Charlotte, the 49ers are having a heck of a year under Aaron Fern yeah. as the first-time head coach. But you go further west up the mountain and App State, my goodness. I mean, they've won three straight. They've got old ODU tomorrow night. They're atop the, the Sun Belt Conference right now. They already have a win over Auburn under their belts. I mean, App State seems like a team that could be mighty dangerous come tournament time. What do you think of those guys? Yeah, and that win over Auburn will help them at seeding time if they win the, they win the conference. And they'll be... You know, instead of maybe being a, a 15 or a 14, maybe it'll be a 13 or a 12. And that makes a big difference in who you're playing. We see a lot of 12-5 upsets, right? We see a lot of four, you know, 13-4 uh, upsets even. And uh, that's possible. And so they, that's just a great story that's happened up there with App State basketball because they were completely off the map as far as the college basketball world for a long, long time. And it's nice to see them getting back up there and, after going to the tournament the first time in a long time a couple of years ago, kind of getting it going again. No doubt, man. And that's the thing. I mean, Dustin Courage has done a great job, but to come back closer to home, like I mentioned a second ago, how about the job that Aaron Fern has done there? I mean, an Aussie, a, a guy from Australia who took over when Ron Sanchez left at a very awkward time in the offseason. Nobody expected anything. And, and they're packing Halton Arena out for home games for the first time since Bobby Lutz was there. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad to see that. You know, they did come up and play Duke. Um, in December, yep, and you know Duke, Duke won it pretty. Duke won it pretty handily, but I remember thinking, you know, they had a pretty good, they had a decent record that time coming into that game, and I, I saw some things that I liked about them, and um, and here they are, you know, competing with Florida Atlantic, who was in the Final Four last year for the conference championship. So good for them, especially that that story that the coach coming in, you know, after Sanchez left in the off season, an awkward time. You can't really, it's hard to build a roster at that point, right? It's you kind of just doing what you can do and. Uh, hand to mouth kind of deal, but he got it done, and uh, good for him. Good story, no doubt. And it's it's impossible to root against a team with a guy named Igor, not only on the roster but in the rotation. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Stephen Wiseman, News and Observer, covers Duke and the ACC, and uh, look, college basketball in the, at, at, at large. He does a great job, and we love catching up, brother. Thank you for the time. Okay, Kyle. Thanks a lot. Take care. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good it has to be heard again. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.